Hi, Rob Carvage here from City East Church in Adelaide, South Australia and robcarvage.com. I have a number of pastoral friends in ministry, but I have to say that Pastor Joe Schimmel of Blessed Hope Chapel in California would have to be my personal pastor and mentor in ministry. Pastor Joe has kindly permitted me to place what I believe are critical messages for the church in podcasts through our website, and I thank him for that. I hope you grow as I did from these messages. Praise God. Go to 1 Peter 4.1. Therefore, verse 1, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, what does he say? Arm yourselves also with the same purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Brothers and sisters, Jesus, in the, you know, in chapter 2 at the end and elsewhere, he's talking about how Jesus went through suffering. He didn't sin in his suffering. And he's telling us to follow his example. And he says, arm yourselves. I love that, man. Therefore, since Christ has suffered the flesh, arm yourselves with the same purpose, guys. Look what Jesus went through and look at how it was redemptive. Arm yourselves. We should arm ourselves. To be forewarned is to be forearmed, amen? We are to forearm ourselves, but it's not totally true. To be forewarned is to have the ability to be forearmed, but if you don't practice what you've learned, you won't be forearmed. We need to arm ourselves, and that means, I mean, right this morning, that's what we're doing. I could just blow by these verses, talk, oh, yeah, we sometimes Christians suffer and move on. No! I know it's important that we are prepared. Arm yourselves to suffer. The Chinese Christians before Mao had been taken over, the Christian message was spreading, and they were being taught that they weren't going to go through persecution, that Jesus was going to rapture the church, and everything was going to be great. And, and guess what? When the persecution set in, all kinds of Christians in China fell away. Happened in Russia, too. People tearing up their Bibles, things like that. Ruth Graham, Billy Graham's wife, said a missionary had shared with her, warned the people about coming tribulation. Because what happened is we weren't ready. We thought Jesus was coming to take us, and everybody got, started to get angry at God because we weren't raptured and we had to go through persecution. Brothers and sisters, we need to arm ourselves to suffer, amen? Well, but Joe, what if I arm myself to suffer but I never go through great suffering? Praise the Lord, amen? But if you don't arm yourselves to suffer and you go through great suffering, whoo, man, recipe for apostasy. Now, arm yourselves to suffer because, well, Jesus sought to arm us and he does. Look at John chapter 15. John chapter 15. This is where Jesus says that we're to abide in him. And in verse uh, 2, that we'll bear much fruit, you know, verse 2, 3, and 4. 4 says, abide in me and I in you. The branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. So you want to abide, that means continue, remain, stay in Jesus. Verse 5, if Uh, or I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse six, if anyone does not abide in me, stay in me, remain in me. He, the Greek word is meno, it means to stay and remain, abide. He is thrown away or continue. He is thrown away as a branch and dries up and they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. That's not good, amen? That's really, really bad to be thrown in the fire and to be burned. Now, Jesus warns them, but he says in verse seven, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, whatever you wish, uh, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Well, if you're abiding in him, then you're gonna ask whatever you wish will be done. Whatever I wish, if you're abiding in him, that means you'll be asking according to his 
will. Amen? And that's good. That's the best place you want to be, in his will. Now, he warns them, he warns them that they will be persecuted. That's why he's telling them they have to abide in him, because they're going to be persecuted, because he's going to the cross. They're going to fall away, unfortunately, because they're not paying attention very well. And Jesus says, pray so you don't enter into temptation. And the God of Gethsemane, while he's praying, they're falling asleep. And they're not ready for the persecution, and they fall away. Judas betrays him. They fall away. But then afterwards, they get, get the message. Because then look at verse chapter 15, verse 19. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world... Because of, this, because of this, the world hates you. Remember, now it's important. Look at verse 20. Remember the word I said to you. A slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. Now notice in verse 20, he says, remember. What's he doing? He's arming them to suffer. He's letting them know, if they're going to do this to me, they're going to do these things to you. My followers. You're going to suffer for my namesake. You're going to be associated with me. You're going to be in my kingdom. You're going to be my followers. And if they do it to the master, the servants follow the master, they do it to the servants. But he says, and I want to get you to focus on the word, remember. Why remember? Because if they don't remember, when they do go through a fiery trial, they won't be armed to suffer, and they'll be surprised and shocked, and there'll be a greater potential that they will what? Fall away. If they remember what he said, they won't fall away, their strength, their faith will be strengthened. Wow, this is exactly what Jesus said came to pass. Just more verification that prophecy is being fulfilled and he is God. Amen? Now, check this out. Look at chapter 16, verse 1. These things I have spoken to you so that you may be kept from what? Stumbling. The Greek word is scandalizo. The words we get scandal from. And it means to fall, to fall away. It's translated fall away in Matthew 24 and elsewhere. Now, these things I have spoken to you so that you may be kept from what? Stumbling, falling. What things? That you have to abide in me. Otherwise, the branch that doesn't is thrown in the fire and burned. That you're going to remember that you're going to be persecuted, right? He's telling them, so when you go through persecution, remember I told you, had them. why? He says, he's telling them these things, why? So when it happens, they're not going to fall away, guys. They aren't being armed to suffer. Then look at verse 2. They will make you outcast from the synagogue, but an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that he is offering service to God. He's letting them know they're going to be confused. They're going to think they're serving God. So you're going to feel like, wow, am I not serving God? I'm being persecuted. He's, I'm telling you ahead of time, it's going to happen. Verse 3. These, now, this is important. These things they will do because they have not known the Father or me. Verse 4. But these things I have spoken to you so that when their, when their hour comes, you may what? You may remember that I what? I told you of them. These things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. He's going to leave them, but he's going to come and be with them spiritually to the end of the world, he said. But notice in verse 20 of chapter 15, remember, this is going to happen. Chapter 16, he's saying these things he said in verse 1, so they won't fall away. Verse 4, remember, I'm telling you these things ahead of time, he says, to remember that I told you of them. Brothers and sisters, I'm sorry. These kinds of warnings are not preached in 99 point whatever percent of the churches to be armed to suffer, to remember. Our, the church, especially in America, is being fattened up like a cow for the slaughter, guys. 
because we're not ready for persecution. And I'm letting you know there's rhyme and reason that Jesus gives us these warnings. In fact, they have special significance for the last seven years of history called the tribulation period. And the last three and a half years of history is called the great tribulation period when the Antichrist reigns. In fact, go to Matthew chapter 24. And they ask Jesus, you know, when will these things be, meaning the destruction of the temple? But then they also ask him about the end. What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And he says many things in Matthew 24, and we don't have time to go through the whole chapter, but I want to let you know what he warns them about is, you know, uh, people falling away, people being killed, uh, and what have you, the birth pains in verses 4 through 8. But you know what? Verse 9, he says, verse 8, he says, but all these things are merely what? The beginning of birth pains. In fact, look at chapter, verse 6. You'll be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened. For those things must take place, but that is not yet what? The end. So what's he saying? At the beginning of the tribulation, it's just the beginning. It's merely the beginning of birth pains. It's not the end yet. Why do you think he says that? I believe I know why he says that. Because for many Christians, that's the end. That's when we're out of here. He's going to come at the beginning of tribulation, and man, he's going to come back, and that's the second coming or the first phase of the second coming. They put the second coming in two phases, which is not taught in church history for 1,800 years, guys. Boom. We'll be out of here. That's the end. Jesus is like, whoa, wait a second. He warns them about everything they got to go through. He's warning the apostles, the leaders of the early Christian church, who will suffer for his namesake here. These are Christians, he's warning, not Jews. Not non-believing Jews, okay? They're Jewish Christians, the leaders of the early church. He says that they would be suffering for his namesake around the world. That's the church. That's the context. And then he says, verse 8, but these are merely the beginning of birth pains. Verse 9, then they will what? Deliver you to tribulation and will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. Now, Tim LaHaye author of the Left Behind series, says that the rapture falls right in here. Boom. In between a couple of these verses right here. Just not here, but that's what happens. And you know what? Jesus said in Luke 17 to his apostles, there's going to be a time when you're going to think that you're going to see one of the days of the Son of Man me come back. But it's not going to happen like that. Look, Luke 17 says that. Because my coming, he says, he says, it won't be a secret. It'll be like lightning shining from the east to the west. He says, at that time, watch out for false prophets. Why? Because they're going to have the expectation, the church he knew would fall into expectation that he'd come when he's not going to come. And then they'd be privy to false doctrines and deceptions and kingdom dominionism and a thousand-year Reich of Hitler or whatever comes their way as an alternative eschatology. But what happens when believers are delivered to tribulation and killed? Now, Jesus says these things ahead of time. Why? Well, look at verse 24 and 25. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Wow. Well, look at verse 25. What does Jesus say? Behold, I have what? What does he say in verse 25? I have told you what? In advance. What's his purpose? And tell us in advance so we won't what? Won't fall away. Back up to verse 9. They will deliver you to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. What's the result of that? Verse 10. At that time, many will what? fall away and will betray one another and hate one another wait a minute he told us in advance so we wouldn't fall away right how come many are falling away because guess what most of the church is not getting the memo 
Most churches told us, we're not going through this. We're, we're out of here. We don't have to go through this suffering at the end. We don't have to go through the tribulation at the end. I'm telling you right now, I've studied a lot of church history, and I studied the early church fathers, Irenaeus saying, you know, that God's given us the name of the beast so the church can detect who he is when he appears. Justin Martyr says that the Antichrist will put the church to flight. That's what the early church fathers, this is, these were the disciples of the apostles and the disciples, the disciples of the apostles. That's how they understood eschatology. There was no idea that you were just going to uh, escape hatch where we get out before there's great suffering. It's not in church history. So I think a good rule of thumb is if it's new, it's not true. If it's true, it's not new. Now you have to test everything by Scripture, even that rule. But right now, I mean, since the can of Scripture is closed, right, there's not going to be new revelation that contradicts old revelation. And if the church misses it for 1,800 years, I have a really hard time that when the church becomes more and more apostate, it gets light on this special light in this area. But I'll tell you what, the falling away takes place at the beginning of the tribulation when Christians are thinking we're out of here. And Jesus warns us in advance so we won't fall away, amen? The Christians who won't fall away at that time are those who are aware of what's to come. And then he warns them. He says in verse, uh, you know, verse 10, at that time many will fall away, not a few, many, and will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many because lawlessness has increased. Most people's love will grow cold. And in the Greek, it's the love of the most. The majority will grow cold. And I don't believe he's talking about the world. The world doesn't have our love. So I believe he's warning us. Verse 13, but the one who what? Endures to the end, he will be saved. Remember Jesus said like the branch, he's warning them ahead of time they have to abide. They'll be thrown in the fire and burn. Here he says, the one who endures the end will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom will shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then what? Then the end will come. We have the great commission. The world needs the gospel during the tribulation period like no other time in earth, guys. And that's the marching orders were given. And Jesus, earlier than this in Matthew, talked about the tares and the wheat. And he said not to take uh, the, the tares out early, but wait till the harvest. And then Jesus said, the harvest is at the end of the age. Guess what? The end of the age is at the, he says, the end is not yet here. We still have the harvest to come of the wheat and the tares in the future. And that's why Matthew 24 or 28, 19, 28 ends where Jesus says uh, to go and preach the gospel to all nations. And he says, lo, I'm with you always, even to the what? End of the age. That's the commission we've been given to the end of the age. Not seven years before the end. So he says the end is not yet. We have a, the marching orders, guys. Amen. But the church... Oh, don't worry, he's going to rapture us. And then the 144,000 evangelists, they say 144,000 Billy Graham's going to rise up. Where does it say 144,000 share the gospel and, and take over for the church? Right after he mentions 144,000 in Revelation 7, 1 th through like, you know, 13 right there. Then in verse 14, or I'm sorry, 1 through 8. Then in verse 9 through 14, it talks about a great multitude he saw that no one can number uh, those who were cleansed by the blood of Jesus uh, from every nation and people and tongue. Who is that? Who are the people that are cleansed by the blood of Jesus throughout the earth? Us, the church. And it says they came out of the great tribulation, meaning they were in it, folks. Now, I'm not saying 140,000 will share. Well, let's, let's not make things up out of thin air and say, well, church is gone. They're no longer evangelized. 104,000 evangelized. I don't see anywhere it says 104,000 evangelized. Hopefully they'll do some of that too, amen? But I'll tell you what, this is important because suffering is, and then in the very next verse, he says, therefore, when you see the abomination of what? 
desolation which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. He says to flee. Those who are in Judea, flee the mountains. That's because that's where he's going to be reigning. That's where the first persecution is going to break out. But it says after he goes after the women, which is Israel in Revelation 12, then he goes after those who have the faith and loyalty to Jesus because he can't get the woman. Then he goes after the church. And it's not until the end of the book of Revelation that it says the bride has made herself ready. That's the church, Revelation 19. It says in 13.5 that the, that the Antichrist will persecute, Revelation 35, he'll persecute the saints. Who are the saints? Revelation 19, when Babylon has been destroyed and Jesus is about ready to come back right there, it says the bride has made herself ready. The church is ready right there, not seven years earlier. And he clothed her in white raiment which is the righteousness of the saints, he says, the saints in Revelation earlier. Huh. And then in verse 11, it shows him coming on his white horse for his bride. Guys, now, go to Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 1, because it talks about suffering as an evidence of our faith and, and says some things that I think are going to you know, be really eye-opening. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 1. And notice in verse 5, 2 Thessalonians. This is a plain indication. He's talking about verse 4, the persecutions. The end of that verse, you see, he's talking about the persecutions and afflictions which they're enduring, right? This is a plain indication of God's righteous judgment so that you will be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which indeed you are suffering. For after all, it is only just for God to repay affliction with those who afflict you. Peter talks about, how we're supposed to entrust ourselves to God who judges righteously in 1 Peter 2 at the end. We're going to get there in a moment. But you know what he says? Paul says the same thing is, is God's going to afflict those who are afflicting us. We don't have to say, I need to get vengeance. No, we're not God. We trust him. He's the righteous judge who will enact judgment on the wicked. Paul says, bless and do not curse and vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Overcome evil with good. Amen. And then he says in verse 7, and to give relief. He's going to afflict them when he comes back and to give relief to you who are afflicted and to us as well. Now, when he's, he's going to come and bring judgment on the wicked, but he's going to give relief to the church, to you and us. That's the church, amen? Thessalonians, we're on church ground, no doubt about it here, guys. When is he going to bring the relief when Christ, seven years before Christ comes back with his mighty angels to destroy the wicked, or when Christ comes back with his mighty angels to destroy the wicked? The second coming, which one? He says it, it's real clear. And to give relief to you who are afflicted, and to us as well, when, when, there's a time signature here, this is when it happens, when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in what? Flaming fire. That's not the preacher rapture, guys. The pre-trib idea has, that's been taught that's not taught in the Bible, we have a standing offer of $10,000 in this church. Just offered it to a pre-tribber yesterday, okay? I should say a former pre-tribber yesterday, okay? If you get just one verse that shows the raptures before the tribulation, I'm still waiting. But here's a very clear verse and several others like it because we're in Matthew 24, if I would have kept reading to 29 through 31, it says immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be dark and the moon will not give us light. After the trib, that's post-trib. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be dark and the moon not, will not give us light. The powers of heaven will be shaken. And they shall see the Son of Man come in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And the stars will fall from heaven and the tribes of the earth will mourn. And he'll gather his elect from the four winds of heaven. 
You don't see that right before the falling away. You see us being persecuted first. And now Paul says Christ is going to relieve the church when he comes with his mighty angels, verse 7, in flaming fire, dueling out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Verse 10, when he what? Comes to be glorified in his saints on that day, same day, guys, and to be marveled at among all who have believed for our testimony to you was believed. He's gonna bring the church relief from persecution when he comes with his mighty angels of flaming fire to take vengeance on the wicked on the day he comes to be admired in his saints. That's what the early church taught. And to me, guys, this is an important issue because it is an important issue to Jesus because he said to remember, I'm telling you these things ahead of time so you don't fall away. So if I'm the devil, if I'm Satan, what am I trying to do? Trying to get people not to remember what they're going through. Study the strategies of war, man. Ambush is the most effective way. That's why Israel wants to do a preemptive strike on Iran. And if you're not ready, like Pearl Harbor to go through something, you're dead meat. So he prepares us ahead of time. But Satan wants to take the preparation away and say, oh no, tribulation is for the Jews. We're all gonna be in heaven having a big party while they're being slaughtered. That's not the character of God, to have a wedding feast while Israel's being slaughtered. That's the mentality of the American church is what that is. And I point out to you in Revelation 6, the saints under the altar during the tribulation aren't partying at a wedding feast for seven years. They're crying out to God, how long until you avenge our blood and those, or avenge the blood of those who are the saints that are being you know, persecuted on the earth. God gives them white robes, says, wait a little while till they're killed like you were, not have some more cake and punch. You guys, we all get taught different things in Christian radio, Christian TV and stuff, and God takes us through a journey, and if we're seeking him, it will reveal more and more to us, this is the deal. And I believe the church strongly, I believe so strongly, the church is being radically set up for deception right now in regard to this issue. Kirk Cameron, who played in the Left Behind series, a lot of you know, I won't say much about it because we've talked about this before, but, you know, we have, you know, been some time since I mentioned it, and there's probably a lot of people that don't know. Kirk Cameron was the pre-trib guy, the Left Behind guy. He introduced himself to that way to me because he came to visit our church a few times here and there, and he came, he told me, you know, somebody introduced me to him. I didn't even know, know him because of cable TV, you know, I don't watch the sitcoms and all that stuff, and, and uh, they introduced me to him because he was like the most popular young actor in his day. And he said, I'm the left behind guy. He goes, but I listen to your, your tapes on the timing of the rapture. And I sat under John MacArthur's teaching for 10 years and I was taught it was pre-trib. But then when I looked at what you're saying, I searched the scriptures, I realized it's post-trib. And I just did, the, the movie just came out the night before. First left behind movie. He's sitting at our church telling me this. He wrote, a, a, wrote an article a little bit later. He's told me since two or three times, Joe, I'm more post-trib than ever. And he wrote an article saying, left behind or staying here, something to that effect. And he talks about how, he said, Tim LaHaye and Jenkins might want to be whisked out of here. He said, but our attitude should be to stay and be a witness to the lost during that time. I admire him for that. Now, this is crazy because look at 2 Thessalonians chapter two. Now we request you brethren with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our what? Gathering together to him. What's that? 
When Christ comes and we're gathered to him, what do we call that? The rapture. In regard to the rapture, look what he says. That you not be quickly shaken from your composure. The word shaken in the Greek is seismos. Guess what word we get from that? Seismologist, earthquake. Don't have a personal crisis of earthquake regarding the false teaching he's going to warn about. That you not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit. That would be a demon spirit, of course. A demon would be behind this teaching he's saying. Or a message or a letter as if from us, a forgery or somebody saying that this is what we teach, what he's going to expose here. To the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Now, if you have the King James Version, it says is at hand, meaning imminent. NASB has, has come. That word can be translated either way because uh, in 2 Timothy 3.1, it says in the last days, terrible times shall come. Like, you know, it's going to come up. So it can be translated either way. The same word is translated. It can be translated shall come or is at hand or like a sense of imminence or has already happened. That in regard to what? That Christ has come to gather us already or it's at hand any moment. Like the King James says, because look what he says. Let no one in any way deceive you. Don't be, have a personal earthquake. Because can you imagine if you felt, well, watch what happens here. Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless what? The apostasy comes first. And the man of what? Lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes a seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. Paul says, don't let a demon deceive you. Don't let somebody tell you that I'm teaching this, that don't be deceived into thinking that Christ will come and rapture us up before what? Two things, the fallen away and the antichrist come. Guess what? That's the same order Jesus taught. Remember, he said, there'll be many fall away. That's the apostasy. Then there'll be the abomination of desolation. That's the antichrist. And then he'll come after the tribulation to gather us. Paul gives the same order. And then he shows Christ coming back when? Look at verse 8. Then the lawless one, that's the Antichrist, will be revealed, whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and will bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. When Jesus comes back, it'll be to defeat who? The Antichrist at the end of the tribulation. That fits with 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. We, the church gets relief when? When he comes with his mighty angels and flaming fire to destroy the wicked. Amen. Don't be deceived, he says, by a pre-trib rapture. De- by demon or anyone else. Don't let anyone... Teach you that he's going to come back to gather us up, verse 1, before the fallen away and the Antichrist comes. And then in verse 8, he says he comes to destroy the Antichrist. That's when he comes, guys. Guess what? How could this be so clear and the church be so deceived on this issue? That shows me that Satan is alive and well because he doesn't want us to remember what Jesus warned us about because Jesus said, I'm telling you to remember this so you won't what? Fall away. And what happens when it happens? Many what? Fall away. You know, yesterday at a, a brother Bob, uh, picked, or actually we met in Westlake, because uh, there's a, a radio teacher who he's fond of his, you know, great teacher in the area that he teaches, an apologist. And in fact, there's various people at Blessed Hope who love this teacher. I've heard him a, a couple few times, and he's a really good apologist. You know, good, good brother. But Bob recognizes the magnitude of this issue. And he's like, Joe, can you come with me to talk to this guy at Long Beach Airport before he flies back to a certain state? And we're, I said, sure. So yesterday, you know, we uh, got up in the morning, went over, we met, we went to Long Beach Airport. And 
talked to the guy for a couple hours. It was a great time and because, because I, this guy, I, I like what he's doing. It's great. I even support it, but he preaches the pre-trib thing. He shares that he's a pre-tribber, and I just wish he could see it in that area, you know? I go, I'll sit down with him, and then we're driving. I find out the guy doesn't even know why we're getting together, you know? And I'm like, well, praise the Lord. We'll just, you know, we're talking about, we'll just see, you know, see what the Lord does. And, uh, but he says he's pretty dogmatic that, hey, I'm, you know, I'm pre-trib, and you got to accept that, and da, da, da. So we sit down at the airport, and uh, for the first hour or whatever it was, we didn't really get in, this didn't even come up. Then Bob broached the subject, and then we started talking about it, and we were sharing with him how important this issue really is. And, and he said he learned under, and he was discipled under Chuck Smith and taught the whole pre-trip thing, and that's what he's believed and what have you. But he said, you know, if you could show me from Scripture, I'm, I'm open to whatever Scripture says. And he has, has you know, a, a good, teachable spirit, you know. And I said, hey, same kind of thing, you know. Ten grand, right? <laughs> and, uh, and thankfully, thankfully, Bob said right after he said that, he'd finance the ten grand. I'm like, praise God, I never heard that one before. <laughs> so <laughs> that made it a lot easier. But I was already very secure because I would not offer 10 grand if there was, you know. And you know what happens? We went through some scriptures. When I took him through 2 Thessalonians 1 and 2, really neat guy, by the way. And he's great at what he does as an apologist in the areas that he focuses on. His eyes got really big. We'd already been through other scripture. He starts shaking his head up and down. He goes, I get it. It's clear. You'll never hear me preaching pre-trib or talking about pre-trib on the radio again. You guys... It's a matter of showing people the scripture. And I was blessed by his heart, just like I was Kirk Cameron's heart when Kirk told me he listened to our, my CDs and became a post-tribber. But I'm telling you right now, those are a couple influential people out there, praise God, but there's a ton of people that don't get it, guys, because they just heard on the radio, hey, we're going to be out of here. You know, driving down the road and they hear, you know, Greg Laurie or Raw Reese or, one of the, you know, a lot of good guys too in other areas. John MacArthur, great teacher. But certain areas, you know, and I, I, are we going to take Jesus' word seriously, guys, that he's warning ahead of time so we won't fall away, but the church isn't being warned? Irenaeus, he gives us the identification of who the beast is so we will not be swept up in his deceptions. But we're told, oh, no, we won't be here. You don't have to really be concerned about that. Wow. Tim LaHaye and Jenkins say you can even take the mark of the beast and you'll still be all right. Wow, that is such a lie. It says whoever takes the mark of the beast is damned. I didn't say he was a good teacher because that is the most damnable kind of lie. I'll tell you what. Uh, back to 1 Peter 4. 1 Peter 2, I mean. Sorry. 1 Peter chapter 2. It says of Jesus, he committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. Jesus himself said, who convicts me of sin? The Bible says over and over again, his own apostles who knew him intimately said he was without sin, never committed one sin. The point is there that even though he was suffering, and he's an example for us, that when we're suffering, make sure you don't choose the low road. Make sure you don't fall into temptation and choose to turn away from Christ. Choose Jesus through your suffering. He recognizes that our frames are weak and that we're made of dust, and he's patient with us, amen? But he wants us to be faithful. Verse 23, and while being reviled, he did not revile in return. 
While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to God. Kept trusting himself to the one or to him who judges righteously. Guys, he entrusted himself to him who judges righteously. Over and over again. And by the way, the word entrusted, it's in the imperfect tense. We've talked about the perfect tense. It's an action that has continuing effects into the future. Although sometimes the perfect tense, it shows someone sits down. It's in the perfect tense. It doesn't mean they sat down forever. It just means they continue to sit down. Could, for, it could be for a while, but they did sit down for a while. The imperfect tense means he continued over and over again to entrust himself to God. So that means when he was persecuted, when he suffered, it was Jesus' habit to what? Commit himself to God. God wants us to be in the habit. And he did it to his very last breath. Amen? Amen. On the cross, did he retaliate and, you know, no. He said, Father, forgive them for they know what they do. And he said, Father, into your hands I what? Commit my spirit. He entrusted himself to God. Because God is the righteous judge. Amen? He knows that God is righteous. And that's what you have to trust is that God's going to take care of in the end. And sometimes you go through some hairy things, you just got to entrust it to God. A couple nights ago, the night before last, I get a phone call from my daughter that she's been in an accident on the freeway with a couple of her sisters, and she's rear-ended a guy in hydroplane, and she said, Dad, I had like 50 to 100 feet, and I was going 20 miles an hour down the on-ramp, off-ramp, off down the on-ramp, that would be bad, okay, <laughs> down the uh, off-ramp. <laughs> no wonder. Uh, and she said... <laughs> And she said her vehicle starts, you know, and the girls in the car said she was going slow and it would not stop. She kept saying it's not stopping. She had her brakes down all the way. I think it was the anti-lock thing, you know, and I don't know what it was. And boom. And the guy's car looked fine, she said. He said, don't worry, no, no big deal. Later on, I saw yesterday what happened to it. Couldn't see in the rain, but things are tweaked, you know. So anyway, uh, what happened is I went down there. She said, but no, a guy, another guy looked at it. He looked the hood sticking up. Her front end's all smashed, right? And I uh, tried to pull up. The guy said, the, the hood's secure so you could drive it home. I said, you know what? Let me drive it home. You know, I'll go. So I, I go to the mall, right? She's at the mall. She's at Macy's or whatever. And they're going to, and I'm driving around the mall and see me. And I'm saying, I don't see you. And she goes, I'm at the men's Macy's. So I'm going through this whole ordeal. I'm at the men's Macy's. I'm at the corner looking at both areas you come out. So I'm trying to find an exit. I go, well, the exits are pretty easy. You just go out to one of the parking lots. I'm out, but I don't see you. Thinking, oh, she went to the back way. They're going to try to shop on me. So I'm like, okay. So I'm looking around. I go, I don't see you. And she, earlier she's like, do you know, are you going by Red Robins? Yeah, Red Robins right here. We're going back and forth. And it's like, I don't see you anywhere, honey. I am here. I don't see you back and forth. Dad, I'm at the T.O. Mall. Like, oh, okay. That's, that's, how my, that's how my night started. But I give it to Jesus. That was, that was the easy part of my night. That was easy, believe me. Just give it to Jesus, making phone calls, taking care of things, you know. Got some work with me to study in case, you know, I go to T.O. Mall. It's pouring rain, by the way, and it's dark up there. And I'm just really dark and raining and trying to find her vehicle. Finally find it. Trade vehicles. The girls get in, make sure they're all right. I'm driving. I, I pull up on the, yeah, okay. Oh, it's pretty good. Going on the freeway, hitting like 65 or so because I'm just at the top of the arm ramp catching the same, same speed. I didn't even see it come up. It was just like, the hood. Dark, raining, the hood's in front of me, 65 miles an hour. Jesus, help me. <laughs> I can't do anything here, you know? And I'm looking through the bottom part. Where's the lines? And I just, I don't want to go off the shoulder, Lord. I pulled over. Then I'm sitting there, and cars are like, you know, people are drunk that night. They're just like, boom, boom. I get out of my car, vehicle, man, because it's like kind of really tight. 
And I'm like, and I'm getting poured on. And I said, Lord, I'm getting poured on. And if it's my time to die, I want to study in the car. I'm just going to trust my spirit to you. So I just get in the car and just give it to Jesus. And then a uh, tow truck guy came and everything else. Said, you should have got her a Honda Civic instead of a Ford. And I'll give me the lecture, you know. Uh, I never have to pick those things up with my tow truck. They go 300,000 miles. And, well, couldn't argue with a hood smashed against my deal, you know. But anyway, you got to just be in the habit of just saying, Jesus, i got to give this to you. You're in control. Amen? Let's give it to Jesus. Amen? Let's uh, stand up and seek the Lord together. Prepare your hearts, and as the cup and the bread are passed out, I want you to meditate upon what Jesus did for you. Amen? Don't just go through this as some kind of dead ritual. This is a picture of the living Christ who died for our sins and rose again. Amen? So realize what he suffered so we could be saved and give thanks to him for what he went through in paying our crimes before God. Amen? And let's prepare our hearts before God and seek him as we are. Thanks for listening to this sermon. To hear more sermons by Jay Schimmel, go to blessedhopechapel.org or goodfight.org. Blessed Hope Chapel is his church in California and you can download his podcast from iTunes. Or at goodfight.org, there's all these fantastic videos you can purchase like They Sold Their Souls for Rock and Roll and Hollywood's War on God. 